0: Hello and welcome to the AMCP podcast series, Listen Up, as we take a deep dive into the challenges, trends, and opportunities in managed care pharmacy. Follow the show's social hashtag at AMCPListenUp, and to learn more about AMCP, visit AMCP.org. I'm your host, Fred Goldstein. My guest today is Adam Colborn, who's coming back to continue his discussions on uh, the issues on Capitol Hill. He's the Director of Government Affairs at AMCP. Welcome back, Adam.
1: Thanks, Fred. Glad to be back. And uh, lots to talk about in this space right now.
0: So let's move on, Adam, to discussing the pharmacist provider status and your work in that area and what's going on there.
1: Yeah. So when we, we talk about pharmacist provider status, what we really mean is adding pharmacists to the list of healthcare providers that can receive reimbursement for their time under the Medicare Part B program this doesn't affect commercial insurance or medicaid individual medicaid programs some of them already do reimburse pharmacists for their time and a handful of commercial insurers do as well so this is really limited to the medicare program but medicare is important because it sort of sets the standard for how health plans behave in this country so I, that's part of why we're so supportive of the the PDT bill as well because no one is doing anything on PDTs because they're all waiting to see what Medicare does. Right. Um and so, you know, the the same thing with pharmacist provider status, if Medicare puts a stake in the ground and says, you know, we think they should be reimbursed for their time, that will over time move the commercial market that way as well. So there's a couple of different bills out there that I mentioned, ECAPS, the Equitable Community Access to Pharmacy Services Act, and then the Pharmacy and Medically Underserved Areas Enhancement Act, which we just call the MUA bill.
0: I know they get reimbursed for medication therapy management. So what sort of additional services are you looking at covering under this if the pharmacists were listed as providers?
1: So that varies between the two bills. Under ECAPS, they are being reimbursed specifically for a handful of disease-specific services. So uh, COVID-19, rsv flu and then shingles i think is the fourth one what the bill would do is it would authorize a pharmacist anywhere in the country who provides you know a vaccine or uh, a test right you think about like your annual flu shot or your Mm -hmm. covid shot right now under medicare pharmacists don't get paid for their time they just they get reimbursed the cost of the the shot or the test And so this would add a payment mechanism for their, their time in administering those services. And that's indexed to 80% of what would be reimbursed if it was performed in a physician's office. And so these are all services that if a physician or, you know, a nurse practitioner or physician's assistant or something did this at your primary care doctor's office, they would get paid for their time. But if you go to your community pharmacy and get this service done, the pharmacist isn't getting paid for their time from the Medicare program.
0: They're just paid for the dispensing fee and the product. Correct. At this point. And so this would pay them for actually the time of administration as well as education or something like that?
1: I'm not sure about the education piece. Um, You know, I think the the bill is limited to just the time of administration and it's sort of a it's a fixed it's a fixed rate Mm -hmm. fee under the physician fee schedule. So it's not like, you know, 15 minutes versus 20 minutes wouldn't be reimbursed differently. It's just this is the this is the rate that you get paid for your time for this service, regardless of how long it actually takes.
0: Got it. And this is for the administration of a few of these vaccines or shots cetera.
1: Yeah. right. Yeah. So sort of the the big ones, RSV, flu, COVID, the mm-hmm. things that lots of people already get through their their pharmacists. I mean, I think something like 60% of COVID shots were administered in the pharmacy setting. That's where people are primarily receiving this type of care. And we think it's important to have parity for pharmacists who are who are doing this important service.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating because I did go in and get my COVID shot and flu shot at the same time at a pharmacy and didn't realize they weren't getting reimbursed for their time to actually administer those doses to me. Fascinating. Yeah. Great. So what else are you working on?
1: Well, so there is one more bill on the pharmacist provider side. That's the Medically Underserved Areas Enhancement Act that I talked about. And that's actually, it, it covers a broader range of services, but it's geographically limited. So that's the key distinction. MUA is a CMS level designation, but it also, the bill also covers primary care provider shortage areas and other a couple of other disadvantaged sort of health desert areas. What that bill would do is anything that a pharmacist can do under their license that is reimbursed in a physician's office would be reimbursable under Medicare Part B in one of the designated areas. So the MUAs, the primary care shortage areas, any of those, if the service is paid for in a physician's office, it's paid for for the pharmacist. So it's got a it's both more broad and more narrow than E-caps, which is a little interesting. And that one only has a Senate version. E-caps has been introduced in both the, the House and the Senate. The Senate was actually just a week before we recorded this. So fairly timely. It's difficult to say whether one has a better shot than the other. But I will say that I think most of the energy is on E-caps right now. So, MCP is a, a member of the Future Pharmacy Care Coalition, which is a large coalition of pharmacy associations and other stakeholders who are supporting this bill and and advocating for this bill. So, you know, I think I'd probably guess that Ecaps is the one that's more likely to move, but it's hard to to say for certain.
0: You know, it's fascinating when you look at the MUA bill and think about it from a social determinants of health issue rural health issue, et cetera. With the lack of access to care to physicians, it really makes sense to be able to incent pharmacists to want to do these services to allow individuals to actually get access to some of this stuff.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's probably the through line for most of our legislative work. So the Access to PDTs Act, you know, I mentioned that commercial plans are not really covering these because they're waiting to see what Medicare does. And there's there's a couple of other issues. How do you pay for it? How do you reimburse it? Right. That's sort of a complicated question, but with the access to PDTs act, that's also great for provider shortage areas. If you can get treatment for substance use disorder through your smartphone, you know, if you live in sort of a rural area where you may not have access to mental health services, you probably have a smartphone that's capable of Running these apps. So, you know, that's really important. And then the Medicaid VBPs for patients act as well, the MVP act that is a a big equity issue. Medicaid patients are, you know, among our most vulnerable patients in America. And they're also probably the least likely group of beneficiaries to be able to find alternative financing for high cost therapies. You know, if uh, other beneficiaries maybe on the commercial side for example might have the option to pay out of pocket or take a loan that they know they can repay for some of these drugs but on a, on the medicaid side that's just not realistic and so through pdts and the mvp act and the pharmacy provider status i think the the big through line is trying to leverage health coverage to improve equity uh, for vulnerable populations.
0: Yeah, it's a fantastic point you just made, bringing that all together, because it really does, when you look through it through the lens of equity, make have the potential to make a huge difference. So, excellent. Let's talk about now, Adam, this other issue you're continuing to look at and are focused on the implementation of the Inflation Reduction Act. What's going on there?
1: Oh, man, uh, what isn't going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I mean... In the health policy space right now, it's basically all IRA all the time. Everyone is focused on it. There's a huge amount of guidance coming out from CMS right now. Things are changing on a pretty much monthly basis. You know, the big one is I think September 1st is the date that CMS will publish its list of 10 drugs that will be in the first tranche of negotiated drugs under the new drug negotiation program. So there's a huge amount of focus on drug negotiation, which is is true for AMCP. That's one of our major focus areas. And then I think the other big focus area for us is the out-of-pocket smoothing provisions, which uh, require Medicare and Medicare Advantage plans to offer beneficiaries the option to spread their out-of-pocket maximum payments out over the course of 12 months. If someone has a a high cost therapy that they'll spend the the new maximum is $2,000 a year. So if they were going to spend all that $2,000 in January, rather than spending it all at once, it allows them to spread the payments out over 12 months. Uh, And the the first month is a, a higher payment. And then the next 11 are equal. I mean, that's just that's a completely new thing for the health payer field. And no one has ever done this before. And so it's a, a huge amount of work to operationalize that. Absolutely, um, And so we're really focused on the negotiation and the out-of-pocket smoothing. So actually, the, the day after we record this, AMCP is having its first in a new series of workshops that we're offering on the Implementation Reduction Act. So we're bringing together stakeholders from pretty much the entire healthcare spectrum. So we've got payers, we've got PBMs, we've got pharmaceutical manufacturers, we have patient advocacy organizations, IDNs, all sorts of folks who are coming and we're going to talk through some of these issues that that we're working on. You know, it's specifically on the negotiation. We're trying to leverage the AMCP format for formulary submissions to see if there's anything useful there that will help manufacturers satisfy their reporting obligations for the negotiation program so we'll be working on sort of a draft template to share with the the manufacturer community so that they can feel confident that they're providing the right information and then out of pocket smoothing we're holding a couple of brainstorming sessions on how do we operationalize this you know how does this impact you know the the point of sale experience for the patient or is there potentially downstream effects related to bad debt um you know if the patient goes off of that plan for whatever reason but they've already hit their out-of-pocket maximum but they're enrolled in smoothing the bill requires the plan medicare or uh, an ma plan to just eat the cost and so that's pretty. Concerning for a lot of, of stakeholders. And so just trying to work through all of those different scenarios is is a pretty mighty endeavor. So we'll be doing all that and more with the workshop series. So that's sort of where our attention is right now with IRA.
0: Yeah, that smoothing issue is fascinating, thinking of going back to my days of running an HMO and thinking through how we would implement that operationally through the IT system, et cetera, and make sure it worked. And then when you bring up the issue, obviously if somebody then leaves the plan and you're stuck with that bill, obviously that makes another another issue to deal with in terms of trying to determine your financials, et cetera. Very interesting. But I also think it's it's interesting too, because that bill, when you think about it, people are on these monthly fixed incomes and the ability to spread that out is another equity issue in a sense. It is. It along with all the rest you've brought up that flows through them. So fascinating. At what point does that get fully, have to be fully implemented? Is there a time set for that?
1: So out-of-pocket smoothing goes into effect, I think both actually go into effect in 2025. CMS will publish its list of negotiated drugs in September, and then throughout the course of 2024, they'll go through the negotiation process with the manufacturers negotiating for the the plan year starting in 25, And then the out-of-pocket smoothing as well, I believe, goes into effect in 2025 on the negotiation piece there's actually you know they add 10 or 15 drugs every year until it gets up to something like 150 drugs don't don't quote me on that number i don't remember the exact number off the top of my head but it'll eventually be a pretty long list of drugs and they're required to go by gross cost to medicare so before rebates or other price concessions are are factored in which is a little bit interesting because You know, I I think most people think net cost would be a better way to save Medicare money. In in some cases, you know, the maximum discount allowable under the drug negotiation program is lower than what they're getting right now through the normal negotiation, you know, rebate process. So we'll see how that shakes out. But yeah, so I would say 2025 is the, the big year, but then it'll continue to roll out over. I mean a decade for this program. So it's really uh yeah, I mean this is this is a long we're in for the long haul on this one. The the thing that everyone says in DC is that this is the biggest change to healthcare since Part D. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting. Interesting times.
0: It sure is. Thanks so much Adam for joining us on this second episode of a two-part series. There is so much going on legislatively. We'll have to get you back on.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And thank you for joining us today. If you like this show, you can find all our episodes at amcp.org podcast, on our show page at healthcarenowradio.com or on your favorite listening platform by searching Healthcare Now Radio. You can follow our show's social hashtag at AMCP Listen Up. And don't forget to share, like, and follow AMCP Org on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm Fred Goldstein for AMCP. Until next time.